0: In this week's Torah portion, as Moshe continues his final address to the nation, he warns them to be vigilant of being led astray to follow false gods by a false prophet or by one's own dear ones. In chapter 13, Parakut Gimel, verses 7 through 11, Psukim Zion through Yeralef, Meisha warns the nation, If your brother, your mother's son, or your son, or your daughter, or your beloved wife, or your friend who is close to you as your own soul, tempts you furtively, and secretly saying, let's worship other gods and abandon the God of our forefathers for the foreign gods of the people around us or of distant lands from wherever on earth they may be. Don't listen. As close as you are and want to be with that person, don't pity him or feel merciful or protect him. In fact, he must be killed, and your hand should be the first against him. He should be stoned to death, because he sought to lead you astray from God. Rashi divides the verse and explains Achicha as Achicha, your brother, Ben Avicha, from your father, and Ben Imecha, or your brother from your mother. Rashi further explains, asher as who is close to you as your soul, as ze avicha, actually referring to your father. And Rashi continues, the verse is listing the people who are dear to you. What's confusing, of course, is why then, if as Rashi explains it, the Torah is referencing the people dear to someone, why is a mother or and a sister not listed among one's close people? Now knowing that Rashi answers all the difficulties that we encounter in a verse, and when Rashi has no explanation for a difficulty in the literal intention of a verse, Rashi will say, any idea, I don't know this, or something similar, In light of Rashi not addressing this question, we understand that Rashi doesn't see it as a difficulty and rather sees how it's understandable from the verse itself. Or perhaps there's an earlier explanation that Rashi gives that makes this understandable. It would seem that the answer here can be understood by first prefacing a different question. The Torah says Rashi, is listing those dear to us. Why then not list a friend as one close to you? Why does Re'acha in this verse, as explained by Rashi, become asher kenafshecha, as Ze avicha? This is one's father. The Re'em, a primary commentator on Rashi, says that in fact when Rashi explains asher kenafshecha, ze' avicha, Beloved, like your own soul, this refers to one's father. The oi, the or, is just not there. It's missing. It's as though it says, re'acha, your friend, oi, asher kenafshecha, asher kenafshecha, or, as one who is close, like your own soul. In other words, your father. Just as it says, oi, or, before the word friend, re'acha, In the verse, the verse reads, If your brother, the son of your mother, or your daughter, or your beloved wife, or your friend, who is as your own soul, the or is missing, says the Reim. between Re'echa, your friend, and Asher Kenafshecha, close to you like your own soul, meaning your father. It should be there. And, says the Raim it literally does mean, or your friend. But this isn't clear from Rashi, and it's challenging to explain that this is the way Rashi intends it. Rashi would have been specific about this, particularly as in the verse, Asher nafshecha" appears to be a simple definition of Re'acha, your friend. So if the intention was, as the Raim suggests, that there is an or, an or, oi, between reyacha and asher kenafshecha, one's father, Rashi would surely find it necessary to make that clear. At a stretch, one can explain that both points are actually included in Rashi's explanation of the words reyacha, asher your friend who is like your own soul, not as two individual points, but as varying levels of one idea. These words, re'acha, asher contain and inculcate, is what we're suggesting here, all the levels of close relationships, an actual friend, then a higher level of closeness, and then higher yet, until the highest level, which would be ze'avicha, one's father. And thereby, we could say, one's mother and sister too, are included in these varying levels. The challenge, however, would be as to why all other relationships are detailed individually in the verse and why would only these two, one's mother and sister, end up as part of asher kenafshecha, that follows re'acha, your friend. Also, Rashi says that the verse is listing the people who are close or beloved to you. So why wouldn't the verse include your mother who's closer than a brother, even closer than a father? The whole challenge here is that if someone really close to you tries to lead you astray, to worship false gods, and they, and excuse me, the closer that person is to you, the harder this challenge becomes. In fact, in Parshas Kadeshim, when Hashem instructs Moshe to guide the nation, to be a holy nation, and this says, tell them, for man to fear his mother and father. Rashi explains this saying, a child fears his father more than his mother, so Torah places the mother first to emphasize that this is relevant also regarding a mother. The Torah teaches about honoring parents. When the Torah teaches about honoring parents, the Torah says, Kabeit es avicha v'esimecha, father first, because a child honors a mother who draws him close with loving words, more than when a child honors a father. We can explain this with Rashi's oft-quoted rule, that the Torah teaches with the common occurrences in life. And indeed, when someone tempts another person to do something wrong, it is usually beseser, this seemingly additional word in the verse, furtively. And if one adult furtively convinces another adult to stray and worship false gods, it's likely to be from these relationships mentioned and not likely from a sister or a mother. Here's why. These words of seduction, let's worship foreign gods, can be expressed in two ways. One, someone who has influence over another regarding faith-based thoughts can seduce him with reason and faith-based arguments. Or what convinces the person to follow someone into idol worship can be their very close relationship without any convincing discussions or arguments at all. But even in the first example, convincing with someone with intellectual-slash-faith proofs would more commonly be effective if it were someone a person was close to and bonded with. This indeed reflects the two categories of people listed in the verse, a brother, whether the son of one's father or the son of one's mother, would more commonly use furtive language regarding reason and faith. That would be even more true for a father whose influence in areas of faith is even greater. One's son, daughter, or beloved wife, however, would rely on the closeness of the relationship and the bond. In fact, it's just not reasonable reasonable to suggest that a son or a daughter or a wife would be influential with faith, faith-based words of seduction and actually achieve drawing one away from God. It's far more likely that this would occur because of the bond of father to child or father, husband to spouse. But since in the first possibility of faith-based, so to speak, intellectual arguments the closeness of the relationship is ultimately impactful the verse thus includes both of these possibilities listing them from bottom up in levels of closeness a brother from one's father whose relationship is more circumstantial than anything else they connect over that connection that they are both heir to the same father a mother's son would forge a relationship based on sharing a mother, which is closer. Beyond that in closeness would be a son or a daughter, and beyond that one's spouse. And even beyond that is a friend who one is connected to with a soul connection. Accordingly, we understand why the Torah doesn't mention one's sister or mother, An adult who has a family isn't likely to be that connected to his sister, who likely also has a family, and certainly not to the extent that she can influence him furtively to abandon God and serve foreign gods. The same is true regarding one's mother. Though there is certainly closeness, she isn't the person who influences his faith, Even emotionally, a grown man with a family of grown children isn't commonly that emotionally involved with his mother, certainly not to the extent that she could convince him to serve idols. This would be different, certainly, to one who lived with his daughters or wife full time and is connected with them in a way where this kind of influence would be possible. One of the lessons in this verse is that all the levels listed reflect varying levels in human characteristics. This tells us that these can all sway us or we can be swayed in our divine service and we cannot depend on only our human characteristics and even our intellect when serving God. More than that, even the intellectual characteristic of Chachma, which was represented in Rashi's explanation, re'acha asher your friend who is as your own soul, this is your father. And father is taught by the Alter in Tanya to be the cognitive characteristic of Chachma, the father's spark that contributes and even sparks developed thought, where one's cognitive thought would negate the possibility of idol worship, even at this level, one must one must be aware not to depend on or believe in one's own cognitive abilities because they are ultimately k'nafshacha, bound up in self, and can thus also be swayed. The example of Rabbi Benzakai ben Zakeh suits this idea, who before his passing expressed I don't know where my soul will be led after my death. Despite the fact that he never walked without tefillin and words of Torah, he doubted his essential selfhood. The way to be careful and vigilant is to live your Judaism in a state of intentional kinesis of Mesir nefesh, one's will completely given over to God. A state that transcends chokhmah, and thereby affecting the characteristics of self, beginning with chokhmah and lower, thereby not only protecting oneself from being led astray, but finding the strength to follow God's ways, as it states in our parsha, To fear only God, observe His commandments, hearken to His voice, and serve Him and cleave to Him.